1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tell
2: us about the receipts you are keeping. Call the fan at
3: 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal Lakata back on the fan eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is and I to call. I was looking at um, some podcasts. The was it the Drinking King? I know, what the hell was it? And I saw some quotes from Derek Jeter, or actually some videos with Derek Jeter on there. Uh, it was one with uh, who was it? Noriega. <laughs> host, uh, host this podcast that had Derek Jeter on it. And the quotes from Jeter were fantastic. Yeah. Drink champs is the name of the podcast. Noriega, the former rapper, I guess he's a former rapper. Um, anyway, he had, and there's somebody else that might be a part of it. Yeah. Jeter on and man, just the way that he goes on to talk about the difference in today's game versus when he played and the analytics being too heavily involved and how they can't measure a player's heartbeat. God, I would hire Jeter in a second to run my organization in a second. And I think the Yankees are insane for not going down that road because, there's the natural fit there. You saw what he did with Miami, and he did that under you know, difficult circumstances. He doesn't have the resources that he would with the Yankees, and the Yankees right now are overly analytical. It's the perfect time for them. And look, I'm not saying that they're going to make the change, they're not. I mean, they're going with Brian Cashman yet again, but they're overly relying on the analytics and the data and the information, which is not a bad thing, but to do it all the way, the way that they're doing it and not factor in other things. And they may think that they're factoring other things. They don't Uh, put it this way. I'd rather have Jeter running my team right now than Brian Cashman all due respect. And I like Cashman. I'd rather have Jeter. I trust Jeter more to build a winning team and to get this team over the hump. You give him those resources that Cashman has had forever. How about this? Do a flop. Let Cashman go run things in Miami. And again, I know that this is not going to happen. I'm just saying. Let Cashman go be the president and take over Jeter's old role in Miami and let Jeter take over Cashman's role here and see who's better. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, Cashman around the league. People have great respect. He's much more respected around the league than he is in New York. Nobody's saying Cashman shouldn't be respected, but let's see somebody else work with all the resources he's had to work with. In particular, Derek Jeter. Check out that podcast, at least the clips that I saw, and you'll know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's nothing new. You know that this is how Jeter is, but he's a smart, confident guy, holds people accountable. He goes on to talk about the fans as well, saying that even in 98, when the division was over in April, which, by the way, was still a thing back then in April, the division could be over in April. With the 98 Yanks, it was. And they had a bad month or whatever in September, and he would say that people in the streets that would come up to him and be like, hey, you guys got to get it turned around. And he was saying that's why he loves the Yankees fan base, and it's the greatest fan base because in New York, they hold people accountable. They want to see people. He said, not that I want to see them fail, but they want to see them go through adversity. That's something I talk about all the time. I want to see because eventually a player is going to fail. So I want to see how he comes out of it. That's when you find out about somebody. Anyway, Jeter goes on to talk about that. It was really fascinating, even the two clips that I that I watched. And, you know, I watched the the captain, the documentary, and I loved every second of it. Derek Jeter, man, he went from a guy that I hated and to his face when I saw him back in ninety seven, let's say, ninety seven or ninety-eight, out at Shea Stadium in the Shea Stadium uh parking lot for players when I were walking in the stadium I told him to his face you wish you can feel like Ray meaning Ray Ordonez you wish you could feel like Ray and he basically laughed it off and was like this freaking idiot and then David Cohn gave me the finger and Louis Soho was saying stuff to me anyway imagine that I, Derek Jeter face to face and I told him he wishes he could feel like Ray But I hated Jeter back then because I was jealous of the Yankee dynasty and how great Derek Jeter was. And now, and really in the in the last several years, I found a a newfound respect. You know, when you toward the end of his career, especially knowing that, you know, this is the last time I'm gonna get a chance to watch this type of greatness, and then you learn about what makes him tick and not just watch him on the field, but all the stuff off the field. I I love Derek Jeter. I, I fell in love with him during the captain that show, the captain. And now even more so. I would love it if he came to New York and ran the Yankees. I think it would be a great move for them. Not going to happen, at least not now, with Brian Cashman likely being, I mean, I guess we didn't get anything official on that yet, but Cashman likely being brought back. Uh, I would love to see Derek Jeter in some way, shape, or form get involved in that Yankees front office. At the very least, maybe he doesn't have to boot Cashman, but at the very least have some say in what's going on here. Maybe provide some balance. 877-337-6666. 877-337-6666. Joe is in the Bronx. What's up, Joe?
4: Hey, Sal. Good morning, brother.
3: Morning, Joe. How are
4: you? Uh, I'm good, Sal. Just uh switch gears a little bit, uh, as a big Mets fan, uh, you know what? I was always a DeGrom fan, and uh, a little turned off by this. And what I think the Mets should do is the, the biggest thing right now is trade Turner and some bullpen help. Uh, what are you turned I, I off think- by? I just don't think that. Honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but I don't. I don't think uh, the ground's worth what he's going to get uh, with injuries and everything else. I mean, you get some frontline starters. I mean, there's a, there's a few out there now that are that are pretty good. I, I just I, I I just I, I don't see it. I don't see why we're going to spend that much money.
1: Not all, all
4: money, but uh, Mr. Cohen's right, money. But,
3: uh... Well, if 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 Cohen's telling you, and we don't know this to be factual, but Odds are, if they spend you know forty five million a year on Degrom for however long that is or whatever it may be, forty million a year for five years on Degrom, odds are they're not going to be able to get another big time bat to to bring in another contract. So then it comes down to okay, would you rather invest that significant money in the pitching or would you rather go get Trey Turner or somebody else? But
4: but, Sal, can I ask you? Do, do you think that uh, Trey Turner would be a, a great thing in that lineup? And, and I, I mean. Yeah, I, what what did Degrom do for us this year? To be honest with you, I mean it's they won 101 games, and it's I I don't get it.
3: I do think that you know, look when you look at what Degrom was able to do this year in limited time. You know he can be a difference maker, as you know, at top of that rotation. But yeah, they won a lot without him. And you could take it a step further and say the same thing for with Scherzer, who wasn't there the whole season, where both those guys were hurt, and they still Absolutely. were able to build. A solid team and they had them both healthy Joe in the postseason and you saw what happened I mean the final weekend in Atlanta and then in the postseason you know th- that's why to me I would prefer to build the pitching uh to build the team outside of just the dominant starting pitching I'd rather have a better lineup
4: absolutely that's why I'm saying Trey Turner Sal do you agree I mean I think that guy would be a perfect fit in New York I mean he, he was underrated with the Nationals he was I- I knew it. He's a I knew great player. going to be great.
3: But the problem is, he doesn't solve the power issue. And thank you for the call, Joe. He doesn't solve the power issue. The Mets need more power. Now, Trey Turner's a great player, and I'd love to see him, but where are you getting that power from? I mean, are we just then going to rely on the Mets bringing up Francisco Alvarez for that power and having him at DH, which is a strong possibility? but you don't know what's going to happen there. Now, again, you're relying on an unknown at DH. Or, I mean, I guess they could go a cheaper route and just get, you know, Jose Abreu, whatever, maybe something like that, not off the table. I would, it's such a weird thing. And I said this earlier, I'll repeat myself. I would want DeGrom back, but only if it meant that they could still go out there and get another impact back doesn't have to be Trey Turner necessarily, but an impact bat. Trey Turner would do wonders for this ball club. Still doesn't solve the power issue, but maybe that's something you could go get cheaper, right? Find a DH, whatever, Josh Bell, something like that. Find a guy that can provide some power. But Trey Turner is, man, he is a great baseball player. You know, the exact opposite of Daniel Vogelback, who for some reason meth fans love. I'm not trying to pick on the guy, but he's just not a good baseball player. Trey Turner runs well. He's excellent on the base pads. He's a good defender. He can move around a little bit. He hits. Hits for average. He get hit it for power. You know, not a top power bat, but you know what I'm saying. I love Trey Turner. Always have loved him. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I hated him when he was with the Nationals. Respected him as a player. But Turner's the guy who, you know, you pencil in 20 homers. I don't know about 100 ribbies like he had this year with the Dodgers. He's going to steal you roughly 25 to 30 bases. He's a great player. Hit 300, career, career 302 hitter. Yeah, you know, last year was a bad year. He hit two ninety-eight. I love Trey Turner. Put him atop the order. See, I would let Nimmo go. Now I don't think you could get Turner and DeGrom, but I would let Nimmo go. Try to bring back DeGrom and try to bring in Turner. I would move Marte to center field, McNeil to an outfield spot, and have Turner play second base. Or keep Marte and right, keep McNeil at second, and see if Turner could play center field. But I, a billion times over, rather have Trey Turner than I would Brandon Nimmo. Gary is calling from Mayapec Good morning, Gary.
0: Well, uh, hey, what you said uh, to Jeter, by the way, is hundred percent spot on. Best defensive shortstop I ever seen was Ray Odomes. But well, that funny. is true. I mean,
3: You know, now that I think about it, Gary, you're right. I was accurate. I mean, he he did wish he could feel like Ray. Probably he laughed it off, but Ray was the best defensive shortstop
0: ever. Yeah, you go on YouTube sometimes and you look at some videos that are strung together. I can't even believe some of the plays that Odon Odonia's made. He was insane, insane. It's funny they gave
3: away before you get to your next point, Gary. Just to finish that up, they gave away a Rayo highlight video, a video cassette. Back in 98, was it? I don't know, maybe 2000. I forget the exact. year. Maybe it was 99. Anyway, they gave it away, and you can watch it on YouTube. It is incredible. It's only like a half hour or something like that. But it is just remarkable, as you said, to sh- see those defensive highlights strung together. Ordone is by far, which is why I love them, by far the best defensive player I've ever seen.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's the one I've probably seen on YouTube. It was, it was I could not believe it. And i seen those plays probably live and then when you see them years later you say oh my god how did he do that but um about the Jets and I got a ranger point if I can make it before I get off the uh, call tonight um last week on Tuesday I think I called you I was defending Wilson everybody like you were saying he needs to take a few steps forward and he'd be elite last week it was he's going to take a few steps out the door um (laughs) I thought he played I thought he played a perfect game yesterday, to be honest with you, besides the strip sack when they controlled that whole drive when you really thought that would deflate them. I thought, you know, I thought he really played a perfect game. You know, he, he, compared to the week before where he threw for 355 yards, what do he have, 150 yesterday or 125? Right. He, had he did no not finish yardage, 200. But, yeah, yeah he, he, controlled, he controlled the game. He uh, he he was dumping the ball off to, to his backs when he needed to. He didn't force anything. But you know what? I'm the negative guy who is so worried about the Patriots coming up because Belichick is going to go to the no huddle. We're getting a good pass rush on without blitzing. And when you can't substitute your defensive linemen, I have a feeling that's going to hurt us next week, and it's always Belichick that that haunts you. Who was it? Uh, well, you
3: got a week a week to be positive, Gary. Enjoy the win. Enjoy what was a clear benchmark win for this organization for Robert Sala, for Zach Wilson and company. This was a huge win. Now they have a week to prepare. You know, unfortunately, Belichick does too, as the Patriots will be on a bye as well. But you have a week to enjoy this one, a week to prepare, and then head up to New England and take on the Patriots in a game that, you know, the Jets need to win to kind of stop being the. You know, the, the the little brother to New England, and maybe that's even too high of a uh, comparison where the Jets haven't beaten them in seven years. It's time they get a win against Belichick and the Patriots, and if they could check that box, then they could be free and easy the rest of the way and not worry about any, you know, demons or anything like that. The Jets will have proven by then to be clearly legitimate and go try to get a postseason spot. Well,
0: that's a logical way of looking at it, but again, you know, me being Mr. <laughs> Negative, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop on him. And uh, speaking
3: of other shoes, yeah, drop, wait till it, wait what? till Sorokin shuts down the Rangers tonight. What What is happening, Sal? It's like, I
0: cannot believe this is the same team. You know, the other night I was at the game, and to be honest, I didn't even get to, into the game until maybe the third period because I was still on the jet high. I watched the game in a barn and then ran into the garden, and I wasn't even, like, worried about what was happening. I was so high off the jet game. But then in the third period, the lines were totally, you know, juggled. Bright is playing fourth line. He's saying he deserved to be there, Mm Galat. And everyone else was juggled. And now I'm like, you know, they really need to step up tomorrow. It's a big game. It's the Islanders. It's a rival. If they don't, are you concerned, Sally? Are you like, you know, panicking yet?
3: yet? No, 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 not at all yet. I'm more disappointed. I'm not concerned or panicking yet with the Rangers at all. Look, as long as Shesterkin's there. They're going to have a chance. They have the playmakers. They just got to put it together. I do think there's maybe a little bit of a hangover from last year. Um, they, you know, it's not like they're awful right now, Gary. It's just they're not you know winning every game. I mean, you look at it right now. Where are they? They're fourth in the Metro Division. They have 15 points. The Devils are first with 18. So they're. I mean, they're right there. They've had three overtime losses. So that's frustrating. But I, I don't think that it's time to panic. With the Rangers, it's not like they're under 500. It's not like they're playing horrible hockey. You know, remember, too, they're they're getting Halak involved a lot here as the backup goalie, getting him some work. They haven't won a game with him yet, right? He hasn't gotten a uh, a win for no, the Rangers. No. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's no, it's way too early. I, again, I I believe in the talent that they have on this team. It's early on; they have time to put it together. Now, that being said, I'd like to see them go out there and beat the Islanders tonight but especially at home and we'll see what happens but no it's too early to panic and i had a caller last night panic with the rangers it, it's way too early for that
0: the only thing is like game one against tampa they played so well the kids look good lafreniere cackle those guys to me aren't progressive and progressing as fast as i think they should I i tell you the truth truber is captain I don't know if there's pressure on him. He's playing horribly. His plus minus is horrible. And I think Kreider not getting to see has impacted him because he's a shell of himself.
3: Yeah, and Kreider, you know, he needs to pick it up. That's a big problem. He can't be on the fourth line. Are you going to the game tonight, Gary?
0: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I didn't and have this as part of my plan. I purchased it as an extra. Uh,
3: oh, nice. But I-
0: yeah, I had to give up the December Island game because of work. So I said, you know, like you said, there's only three games. I said, I got to yeah. you know, one island a game.
3: So I wish uh, I could get a credential and go. No, I, I get it. I wish I could get it. And thank you for the call, Gary. It's always good to hear from you. I'm going to be going, I'll be going Sunday, taking my nephew to go see the Coyotes uh, Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Um, we got tickets from a, a guy that I work with at SNY, and I was appreciative of that. So, looking forward to taking my nephew. That'll be my first game at the Garden this year. But I would, I wish we could get credentials. I mean, I just don't understand fleas. We still can't get them, right? We don't get uh, Garden access at all anymore with the Knicks. Uh, correct,
5: Rangers? we can't. But you would have another way. You should.
3: Well, yeah, we go through SNY. I don't even know if that's a possibility. I guess I could. I don't even know who to ask anymore over there, but. I just, it's just so frustrating. I used to get the season credential. I could go anytime I wanted. It was great, especially now that I'm in the city. I mean, I actually have it perfectly set up to where I will be at Sny for Baseball Night New York, done at 630, and then I have a huge gap between 630 and 11 o'clock, so I could easily go to the garden. It takes 10 minutes, come back, do the 11 o'clock show, and then go do the radio show and react and, and do so. I mean, I really should be going. I have a feel for the game. Well, can, when are they going to lift this ban? What's happening here? We have any, no updates on this? God. Frustrating. I mean, not that it's a huge deal, but it is frustrating on the rare nights like tonight that I'd love to be able to go to the Garden. You and me both leagues, as a matter of fact. Wouldn't that be nice? Go check out the Rangers-Islanders? Go sit in the press box and watch that game?
5: Yeah, right, but we wouldn't be able it? to root, so it would get old really quickly.
3: That, that is true.
5: I don't know. how I've yeah. done the press box before. I, I can't when I care about the team.
3: Yeah, that is true. I mean, I've learned as I've gotten older just to, you know, in the beginning they would always say, oh, you can't root. And then I remember going to games with Sid and Joe. And meanwhile, Sid would show up in a Ranger jersey. (laughs) No rooting in the press box. Don't tell Sid that. Sid that. Joe, too. Oh, the paint. That was an experience. I used to love going to games with those guys. It's your turn to cause trouble. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. Got it back on the fan eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six total five a.m. The warm up show with Al and Jerry. Your calls until then. Christian is calling from Kings Park. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, Sal. How you doing? Yeah, not bad. What's up, Christian?
0: Um, just a
6: couple, uh, just a couple quick points. First of all, last week I just want to compliment you. You handed a caller on the whole Kyrie Irving thing. You handled him with eloquence and professionalism. And I was I was just really admired by that. So uh, you, you you said it perfectly to him. Um, I, kind I don't of remember little...
3: which one. I mean, I appreciate what you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Christian. I don't recall. I mean, we took obviously you know one at least one of the days we did. I think the whole show basically on Kyrie. Do uh, you remember what he was saying exactly that you were uh, that that he we yeah
0: he was
6: he was trying to say something like well you know that's kind of how it is that's kind of like how it's always been and. You said very eloquently that, by definition, is harassment. So I just wanted to comment you, like, just on your eloquency, because that was brilliant. And, hmm. you know, you, you did that with a lot of respect. Well, I appreciate um, that, so.
3: Christian. Thank you. What's on your mind?
6: You got it. So um, I'm very excited about the Outer Ranger game. I mean, <laughs> I'm also happy that uh, the Islanders did not acquire Nazem Kadri, because... Now that I'm thinking about it, that would have been a lot of money for a player that was a little bit older. And you know, the Islanders proved that they could beat the Flames. They beat them 4-2 in overtime last night.
3: Um It was a big win. So so I, I know Sorokin's been great. I have not watched uh, a lot of the Islanders. I'm looking forward. I'm going to the Islanders Oilers game November 23rd, the night before with Thanksgiving. Your nephew, right? so Yep, I can't wait to take him to go see Connor McDavid. Uh, I love UBS, so it's going to be fun. Uh, that'll be a great night. My nephew and my brother-in-law—we're looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, the Islanders have been—they've been doing a nice job. It, look, I think it's exciting right now, Christian, when we talk about the Islanders and Rangers potentially being good together. We didn't get a playoff matchup last year. I'd love to see them both in the postseason, maybe going head-to-head this year. I think that'd be great to have.
6: Every single game of that would be so exciting, and I—you know—I I mentioned this part to you. I live with ranger fans um four of them and i'm the soul islander fan so but like and no need to worry about the rangers they're going to be fine they are going to be awesome lafreniere and Kako are two amazing young players and they are getting the job done when other people like truba and Kreider maybe are not are not doing it these are really really great players um so i'm just excited for this game and you know i i'm 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 not going to it but i'm just excited to watch it because i love hockey
0: <laughs> so
3: yeah well, um, me too it, it should be fun i mean when you and thank you for the call christian i appreciate you checking in it should be fun tonight at the garden you know especially when you talk about there's only three of these matchups that's what's annoying i mean they're great matchups rangers and islanders and we only get three of them this year and all done before christmas come on now nhl what are we doing I will say, from a Rangers fan's perspective, the Islanders scared the hell out of me. The Islanders look to be back on track this year. Not the, you know, no scheduling mess last year and COVID and, you know, new arena, all that stuff. Islanders have gotten off to a nice start this year. And Sorokin has been terrific. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to watching that game tonight. Like I said, I wish I could go to it. I wonder what tickets... And we get into this whole thing last time. And maybe I'll look at tickets last minute, see if I can go buy a ticket to go to the game. Although I will say that a part of me feels guilty. And I know I shouldn't, but I feel guilty going to the Garden without my nephew. I only got back into hockey in recent years because of him. And I can't, you know, I don't want to let him know that I was there or going to the game. He'd be like, oh, Giselle, you didn't take me to the game. And then I'd feel bad i bet like, yeah, you want to take the train in and meet me? I mean, he's nine years old. He can't, he can't do that. But I, feel, I do feel guilty. So if he can't be there, generally I don't like going. But anyway, 877-337-6666. Dave is in Little Falls. What's up, Dave?
2: Hey, Sal. How are you doing? How are you, Dave? Oh, okay. You know, Sal, Um, I turned you out about an hour ago. Um, I haven't heard you in about a month because I'm still in emotional recovery of the Met loss. And uh, I missed your late night show. I forgot you're pretty dang good at this,
1: and, oh, and I like the way. Man.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not to flatter, but you really defined um, the, the Mets situation perfectly. I mean, I'm still hurting from that, and that's exactly what they need. They, uh, yeah, we, we got the, you know, we got the reliever, and uh, okay, but we need that threatening lefty bat, and we need, uh, you know, really good pitching, but we need that smack in the lineup. The Phillies are enemy. Did well with that. So good job analyzing that, Sal. But I'd like to ask you something a little off the, off the mark. Hopefully you can entertain my interest in this, Sal. Um, I'm really getting frustrated with the NFL with these penalties. And when I turned you on, somebody was talking about how that could have been a penalty at the last play. Of this. What a disaster that would have been. I think it's time for the NFL to discuss that they need to do like they do with the face masking and other penalties and break these things up. 15 yards. For a um, particular obvious interference, but not severe, so it doesn't destroy a game. And then also, I think right. But with the problem Remember how the Patriots quarterback went down, Sal? The
3: the problem to combat that though, Dave, would be well. What happens then if you do it on purpose? If you're a defender and right, you're so that's tackling. When
2: you Break it up like when a face mask is a 15 yarder it's like blatant bam we got you but if it's inadvertent and it's a mild one they throw the little fiver at you and i think they need to incorporate that in the nfl because these these quarterbacks know it last minute last second he's throwing at 60 yards he's hoping for a penalty sal and and any contact you know the receiver's going to initiate try to instigate the ref needs to be able to discern the intent there and then have the power to make a choice that would be more fair uh, instead of like, well, I guess I got to throw this flag and destroy your game. I mean, that, that yeah,
3: would have been it. It's a tough balance, though, because I don't know if I like that idea, Dave, splitting it up. Because if it is true pass interference, remember, there are other uh, different penalties, illegal contact and things like right. that, that you can call. But pass interference is interfering with the pass specifically that could result in preventing a would-be play for however many yards that play would be right so if you get a pass interference play and it would have been a 25 yard play down the field that's what it should be because you would always as the defense take the well he was going to get 30 yards out of this and now it's only 15 i know i was beat so it's a right. very dangerous fair game point. that you're playing
2: fair point and what do you think about the uh, helmet contact because i i think The the Patriot quarterback pulled a fast one. He wasn't hurt. He should have been taken out of the game. He's laying on the ground. He should have been taken out of the game when he's laying face down like that. I think they got. What are we talking about? Remember when um, the quarterback there went down and they and they got the 15 yarder on the Jets? They were getting killed with these penalties.
3: Well, well, was the
2: the pick six you're talking about? No, um, what's his name? I'm 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 a little tired, but he went down. The quarterback. He got Mac Jones. yeah, he went down. Right, like, but are base, you talking like, about specifically
3: uh, the the Jonathan Franklin Myers play that that resulted? Yeah, in a I think it, he
2: was flopping, and the, and the oh. refs should be able to discern that and say, you know what, we're going to give you a five yarder because it was very light, like just a little tap to the helmet. That maybe a hand or something hits some. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so
3: I, mean,
5: to,
2: I so do know what you're saying.
3: I, I think the the bottom line, Dave, and I understand what you're saying, and thank you for the call. Is that these penalties? change games they significantly impact these games now I, if you're talking about the same play that i am the jonathan franklin myers play where i thought i thought he hit him late so i don't think there was a flopping or acting job he clearly to me hit him late and by the letter of the law right or wrong it should have been a roughing the passer penalty which negated the pick six which could have changed the entire game but if if a uh, Defender's hand grazes the face mask or helmet of a quarterback, you know, and you get a roughing the passer there. You know that could ruin a game. And to your point, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what the right way to do it is. Are all these things then going to be reviewable? Oh, you know what? He only he only touched them a little bit. It should be a five yard penalty. I mean, I, I don't think you could go that way. But we're seeing now where quarterbacks getting tackled. Ha- is being called for roughing the passer. Quarterbacks that got stripped and fallen on are you know, getting the benefit of the roughing the passer penalty, uh, penalty for the defender. I mean, it's ridiculous what's gone on. The league has a problem because those plays, the PI P- plays down the field in a big spot, especially like that, where you're just trying to throw the ball down the field and hope for a flag. It's cheap, and I've seen it cold plenty of times to where it impacts these games. You play out a whole game like that, that would have been criminal for the Jets to lose that game on a last-second field goal off of PI. So I'd rather, when in doubt, leave it out. I'd rather the refs hold on to the whistle but then you could also say, if you're the offense there in that spot, you could also say, well, that's not right. We could have had a chance to get the completion. How come the penalty's not called? You could look at it two ways. And if it's close enough towards a judgment call, then you, you know, you'd hope that, like we said, the ref did the right thing by putting the whistle away and not calling a ticky-tack penalty. But if it were an actual penalty, you have to be able to call it in on that spot because you don't want to screw the offense over either. I don't know. I don't know if there's a good way to do it other than what, more replay, and they're going to go to the replay and see exactly what happened on everything? Roughing the passer and penalties down the field, pass interference calls down the field. The, the roughing the passer thing to me right now is the bigger issue because the way that penalties are being called against plays that should not be penalties, we seriously need to consider going to either two-hand touch or flag football. That's how bad these calls are. So something needs to be done with that before I worry about the pass interference down the field. Either way, don't have to make a big deal about it. It wasn't pass interference. People could complain about it. It didn't get called, and we move on. Jets won the game. Sour grapes for anybody who thinks it should have been pass interference.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
3: Your official station to talk
2: Yankees, the fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today.
3: Salakata back on the at 5 a.m. the warm-up show with Alan Jerry. So Fleagues was off yesterday. Fleagues, of course, a die-hard Jets fan. Very disappointed in the game against New England last weekend. And, Fleegs, you were busy this weekend, right? You had some kind of wedding. So take me through your situation with figuring out a way to watch this all-important Jet game, dealing with a wedding, and then your reaction, of course, to the Jets' improbable victory.
5: So, yeah, I had a wedding to go to, and it's, you know, listen, getting married on a Sunday in the fall is like among the worst things people can do that's not committing a crime. <laughs> so, and it's my wife's friend. So, right off the bat, you know, it's not, you know, it's not one of my close friends it's or not a family you member. Care about. Right. Uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> And then I find there's this wedding Sunday. I know about it all year, trying to think about what am I going to do. Of course, when I look on the schedule, when a day comes out, the Jets' bye week is the week after, you know, just missed it. Then I find out, all right, the reception's at 6. I say, hey, you know what, that's not that bad. I'll watch the Jet game. I'll have to miss the late games, but whatever. I'll see the Jet game. I can live with that. I find out late last week, I think it was Friday, that, yeah, the reception's at 6, but the ceremony is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, they're uh, 35, 40 minutes away from each other and everybody's just going to be hanging out, you know, whatever old friends catching up in between. I told my wife, I'm like, listen, we have there's a problem here. Like, there's just, you know, on top of me, you know, I'm supposed to sit in a church. There's a jet game going on. Then drive from one location to the other. There's a jet game going on. Then just sit around with a bunch of people talking about who knows what. And there's a jet game going on. It just it it can't happen Again. The Jets are probably way too high on my priority list. But I also had this feeling all week, as annoyed as I was with the Patriot loss, there was just something telling me, like, y- you can't miss this game. I thought they were going to keep it close. I-, I just thought it was you know going to be, I'm going to sit there for two hours and 45 minutes thinking they can win, and they're th- then they're going to crush my heart. But I had to find a way to watch this game, so we compromised. There was a welcome party Saturday night. So... I had to miss the most of the Penn State game, although I ended up watching it. The hotel was at a casino in Sportsbook, so I watched the Penn State game from there. I get to see Georgia and Tennessee. I missed the World Series, but it's on at the welcome party, and then that ended up ending early. Everyone was bored, so they went, home. they went back to the room in the casino. I said, all right, I'm driving home. I got home to see the end of the World Series, and thankfully the Phillies are done. They lose. I drive out to Pennsylvania for this welcome party Saturday, drive back, watch the Jet game at home. As soon as the Jet game ends, throw my suit on, drive back to Pennsylvania, and then come back after the game last night because when I'm working later that night, I could have stayed at the hotel, but I wanted to reset for the overnight schedule and sleep back at home (laughs) so I wouldn't have to wake up, then drive, and then nap before the game. So I added a drive, you know, hour plus to Pennsylvania and back on Saturday because I didn't want to miss the Jet game. And then, you know, when I got there for the reception, Last night, people are joking, oh, you know, that was a Jet game. You know, was it worth the drive? Yeah, you know what? It was. I would do it again. I would drive five hours. Yeah, that was worth it. That was the best Jets win since the Patriot playoff game in January of 2011. You bet everything it was worth it.
3: And it's funny because I thought me risking whatever it was, a couple hundred bucks on the game, was a lot. You risking your time like that. Imagine... Had they had the, you know, common stinker of a game and gotten smoked by the Bills, how angry you would have been. Oh, listen, I, I was way.
5: confident going into the game. When Braden Mann slips on the opening kickoff and then the first play is a bomb down the field to Stefan Dings, I'm saying, You idiot. You're this is gonna be, you know, thirty-four to thirteen and you know, your wife's gonna be mad at you and she's gonna be right because you did this for a blowout. I think she even realized, okay, with after how elated I was after the win and that I was there for the entire reception. Everything worked out fine.
3: So there are no after effects from the wife, you know, these things. Uh, hey, you know, honey, do you mind if I do that? No, no. I no, no. And listen,
5: she was also the one that suggested, listen, I, when the ceremony thing came up, there is this welcome party Saturday. If you're willing to do it and split the day and the driving, I said, yes, absolutely. Put myself in the car for an extra three to four hours. I don't care. If, if that is what I need to do to watch this Jet game, I'm doing it.
3: That is dedication, Fleagues. I give you credit. i love not th- Thank do you that.
5: to Robert Sala and this Jets team and this glorious defense. They made it worth it.
3: And no, and hold on. You also need to close this with giving at least some proper due to the quarterback who you are very, very down on. He makes one mistake, you're tweeting, I can't stand this idiot. I mean, why do you hate Zach Wilson so much? Give him a chance, Fleagues.
5: Listen, I've it's it's nineteen games now. I still haven't seen enough from Zach Wilson to think he's the guy that's going to take this team to the next level where they need to be. I mean, he's not awful, he's not terrible, but I, you know, the same way like you almost were with Daniel Jones after 20 games, like, all right, enough. With Zach Wilson, my team, and the the mistakes are still there, he still leads the league if you follow the analytics of the turnover caliber or turnover-worthy plays. That fumble bothered me because if not for Sauce Gardner coming right back and making the play on Josh Allen, that fumble on third down in field goal territory, could have cost the Jets the game. Like, that's how big that field goal was in that spot. You know, when you're under pressure for that long, just put two hands on the ball. You get sacked, that's fine, whatever. I like that he didn't try to throw the ball away and force it, but just put two hands on the ball. He had some misplays. The Conklin play on third down, he skips the ball to burials. The Denzel Mims play where he throws the ball two feet over a receiver who's already six foot three. Zach Wilson was better on Sunday, much better than the Patriots game. He wasn't good enough to make me feel comfortable that he's the guy going forward. They can win some games with him right now. He didn't make the killer mistakes Sunday, so I'll give him credit for that. I still need to see a lot more, and it needs to happen soon. If he was a rookie doing this, that's fine. It's year two. By week 18 this year, I need to see something.
3: Well, we got plenty of time to go. I look forward to the day where you come on the air and say, you know what? I was wrong about Zach Wilson. Listen, I hope hope it
5: happens. I want a quarterback. I want my team to win. I don't care about being right. I don't care about being wrong. I hope Zach Wilson, you know, I see all the talent. Like, I know why, I get why they drafted Zach Wilson. It's not a thing where I'm furious that they drafted him. I don't see anything with this kid. I see all of the talent. I see why they fell in love with him. I also see some mental mistakes and then some physical ones, but more the mental that if you're going to excel at that position consistently, those mistakes either have to not happen or happen very infrequently. Like Josh Allen still had one of those on Sunday. Not sure. so much, Not so much the second interception. I don't think he saw sauce on the first one. I don't know how he could have possibly not seen Jordan Whitehead standing right between him and his receiver. He was right in front of Knox. So there are still great quarterbacks make those mistakes. I have to see it happen a lot less often with Zach Wilson, but I want to come on the air and say I was wrong. This kid just got the Jets to the Super Bowl. Just won the Jets to the Super Bowl. <laughs> All I care about is my team's winning. If the Jets or Mets win a championship, I mean, I, I don't care how it happens.
3: Yeah, no, I get it. I, I I understand that. I just and I also get the fans' frustration. You know, where you want, you expect greatness. That's what you want, and you want it now. I want greatness, and I want it now. And you know with Zach Wilson gonna take some time? We'll see, but I do think by the end of the year, to your point, this is year two, but it's halfway through year two. We got eight games to go, and he still hasn't played a full season from start to finish, being injured in parts of last year being injured again this year. you know hopefully Zach Wilson is the guy I do believe you know, like I said, you know, I believe in him, and we'll see how it plays out here, but the physic the the physical tools are there, and I was happy overall with the way that Wilson played uh in the win over buffalo 877-337-6666 antonio's calling from manhattan what's up antonio
7: hey what are you doing Sal?
3: how are you antonio
7: good good man um now man you know I, was, I want to talk about the two biggest moments in the playoffs but uh, i want to talk very briefly because you were you were um reminiscing about the knicks in the 90s and like um i remember there was a game this is how good the Knicks were. I remember a game that they went to the West Coast to play the Utah Jazz. And I remember that the Utah Jazz, they were waiting for the Knicks, like in the weeds, because they were looking at the Knicks as a barometer for them to kind of like see if they were a championship, you know, like a championship
3: team. That's how good the Knicks were at that time,
7: you know, like, a, you know, what you were talking about
3: there, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean the and, Knicks were uh, great, in, in the '90s, the Knicks were great. What are you kidding, man? Me? I mean, they could have won a championship any of those years. You know, yeah, I remember people. Finals. I
7: remember also people. Sorry, I remember people saying how, for example, you were going to people saying like at that time, you know what, you're going to miss Patrick Ewing once he's gone. And now, you know what? Like twenty something years later, I have to say, man, I miss Pr- Patrick Ewing.
3: Oh, come on. The idea, though, that people wanted Ewing out in the first place or couldn't stand Patrick Ewing, it just that's the negative part about New York sports. Fans are ridiculous. It was, a, it was similar with Eli Manning. Couldn't wait to get Eli Manning out. Couldn't wait to get Patrick Ewing out. I mean, the disrespect for Patrick Ewing, I, there's a part of me that is... Now, I'm not glad that it's happened overall, but a part of me feels like, you know what, Nick fans, for any one of you who ever booed Ewing or ever doubted Ewing or wanted them out, look what you got now. Look what you got since he left. Nada. You got crap. Your team has sucked for 20 years, essentially.
7: Exactly. No, I, no, I agree 100%. And then, like, the lowest point is with the 15th pick, the next pick. Frederick Weiss, remember him?
3: Mm. Yeah, I remember Frederick Weiss, of course. Yeah, I you you really want to like have that? real I mean you want to have a real depressing show. I mean, we could just bring up the Knicks draft picks over the years and then you really start to get depressed <laughs> about those picks.
7: Exactly. But getting to my main point, I want to just talk about the two biggest moments in the playoffs. First of all, the the number one. I'll give you. I'll give you the, the the second one. The second one I think was when you know the Padres they didn't bring in Hayter to pitch you know to Bryce Harper. That was the mm. eighth inning, and they left Suarez and look what happened with, with Harper. And then the biggest, the biggest mistake to me, without a doubt, was taking out Wheeler in the fifth, you know, sixth inning with seventy pitches, and then bringing in Alvarado to pitch Suarez. He already seen him twice, two I think two or three times. Alvarado, oh he, he throws his fastballs. That's all he throws and Wheeler, look, I'll take Wheeler any day over Alvarado. but the guy's have, he has three excellent pitchers and to me that was a huge mistake and that basically to me once that, once that happened, I look, I posted on Facebook, once he took Wheeler out, I said hmm. bad move. I posted on Facebook. What happens? Boom, like the the, the longest home run you have ever seen in your life.
3: Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me, and that's the way the game has gone, though, Antonio, unfortunately, and thank you for the call. Appreciate you checking in. That's the way that the game has gone, where you expect now these stupid pitching decisions to be made. And Robbie Thompson, everyone wants to talk about him, potentially manager of the year, and look what he did with the Phillies. That is a stupid decision. Unless Wheeler was hurt, and there's no evidence that he was, he was on extra rest. He had 70 pitches in the game. He's a guy he's your best pitcher. And Robbie Thompson and he showed the you know the the way that he was managing that series, he went to Alvarado in key spots. And no reliever is perfect. And the more that you bring him in, the more opportunity that they're going to mess up. And Alvarado did not get the job done. If you're going to get beat, wouldn't you rather get beat with Zach Wheeler? 70 pitches, five and a third. Like, Why start him? I mean, my goodness. But that's the way that the game has gone now. Where these managers want to apply that data and get to the matchup and feel like that's their best opportunity. Don't want Wheeler going another time through, whatever it may be. I, I think it's just foolish, but. one little sign of trouble didn't allow a run hits a batter gets an out gives up a base hit and he didn't want he didn't want wheeler facing alvarado because he didn't want alvarado to take him deep and guess what that's exactly what he does anyway Uh, Excuse me, against Alvarez. What did I say, Alvarado? He didn't want Wheeler facing Alvarez because he didn't want Alvarez to take him deep. That's exactly what he does against Alvarado.
1: Anyway, enough about the World Series.
3: It's over. Phils are done.
1: Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.